Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, talking about what's going on in sports, getting you in the know for this game coming up Saturday, Utah State versus Colorado State, homecoming for the Aggies. 5.30 kickoff for Utah State. If you can't make it to the game, we would always encourage you to go. But if you can't, it'll be shown on CBS Sports Network. Leading up to the game, our sister station, KVNU, will be doing game day from 3.30 to 5.30, right up until kickoff, broadcasting live at Locker 42. If you don't have quality Aggie gear, that's the place to get it on your way to the stadium Saturday afternoon. And as soon as the game goes final, they'll be back on the air, breaking it down what exactly happened and why and what's next for the Aggies. Uh, By the way, um, Andy Katz, uh, we know Andy Katz. He's a great writer, contributes to a lot of different publications, but also writing for uh, NCAA.com. And he gives five predictions for the 2019-2020 Mountain West men's basketball season. And um, his, what his his prediction for uh, the the, uh, the the team that will will go uh, is um, is Utah State. Um, and so to the uh, big dance, says so some of the five important non-conference games to keep an eye on: LSU at Utah State, where that game is actually played in Jamaica. Um, and Utah State uh, at St. Mary's, that's in later in November. Just a week later, um, so uh, he has uh, several different bold choices, including Sam Merrill as the uh, Mountain West Player of the Year. So Mountain Utah State men's basketball team began their practices yesterday. Ajay, you'll get a chance to go talk to Coach Smith and some of the players tomorrow when they make themselves available to the media. Yeah, so Coach Smith isn't there today, and I think to. I- or yesterday he wasn't there. Uh, today I'm not sure if he's absent or not, but on Thursday he will be there. So he'll have a chance to be able to. So right now it's just individual workouts until then. Um, but, yeah, this is exciting. It's crazy to have this much hype on the season. In fact, I kind of hate it. I, I, I like just being that team underneath the radar. Nobody knows about these guys. Nobody cares about these guys. They're just flying underneath the radar, and it is what it is. Um I'm not sure how the team feels. I mean, we could. Have, I'm, I'm sure we'll ask him tomorrow. Another big topic that will be coming up is the health of Namini Yashketa. Is he going to be ready to go by the exhibition game? Or are they going to just sit him until the preseason or I guess the main non-conference games start to play through? How long will it be out? Uh, we'll, we'll get through all those questions with Coach Smith tomorrow. And we'll have the audio here on the Full Court Press, of course, no doubt. Here's some stuff from Andy Katz when he gives some of his... Uh predictions about the Mountain West and uh, yeah some really good stuff right at the beginning maybe it helps when the Mountain West Conference predictions let's start off for player of the year for the second year in a row let's go to Logan Utah Sam Merrill from Utah State he is going to be the best player in this league and has a chance to lead the Aggies to the regular season title and possibly a deeper run in the NCAA tournament my freshman of the year Going to Fresno State, Orlando Robinson, big forward, should have a major impact for the Bulldogs and keep Fresno State somewhere in that upper tier in the conference. My most underrated player, 
Let's go to Reno. Jazz Johnson. For Eric Musselman, he came off the bench, provided a lot of pop, replacing the Martin Twins at times. Great energy, played with passion. He is going to be an anchor on that perimeter for Steve Alford, the new head coach in Reno. All right, five games that I think will have a major impact in the non-conference for a number of these teams in the Mountain West Conference. Utah State at number one, taking on LSU in Jamaica. That game is November 22nd. Number two, New Mexico will be playing in Brooklyn in the Legends Classic. They'll take on Auburn on November 25th. That's back-to-back SEC games for two Mountain West Conference teams in my top two. Let's continue. Number three, Fresno State will play at Oregon to open the season on November 5th. That'll tell us a lot about not just Orlando Robinson, but where the Bulldogs are that early in the season. At number four, Utah State taking on St. Mary's in Moraga, California on November 29th. The Gales should be one of the top two teams in the WCC. And at number five, San Diego State, which certainly has a chance to finish somewhere in that top three or four in the Mountain West Conference. They will be at BYU, a couple of old rivals from their old whack days. That game is on November 9th. The Cougars should be one of the top three teams, possibly top four. We'll see what Pepperdine does in the WCC. But BYU should be up there with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. But that game early in the season will be without Yoli Childs because he's suspended for the first nine games. So a great shot for San Diego State to maybe go into the Marriott Center and get a road win. All right, my bold prediction out of the Mountain West Conference is look for New Mexico. they got a very good front court. you got Vance Jackson, Carlton Bragg. I think they're going to be ending up playing Utah State in the Mountain West Conference title game in Las Vegas on that Saturday night of selection weekend, and they could be a bid stealer. I think they may steal that bid, ensuring that the Mountain West Conference gets multiple bids this season in 2020. So that's my bold prediction. New Mexico taking on Utah State, stealing the bid for someone else. Just not sure that they're going to have that large resume at that point. Beating Utah State for that NCAA tournament automatic qualifier out of the Mountain West Conference. I anticipate that Utah State will have the resume to get there on their own. Ooh, this is, can we talk about this? Do we have a minute? Juicy stuff there from Andy Katz. Can we talk about it for a little bit, or do we have time? Yeah. Uh, Dude, that gave me chills. That just, (laughs) I, I mean, to hear Utah State as a team that could maybe get in that large bit is, is, is crazy to me. Um, obviously when he says a, uh, New Mexico would steal a bit if New Mexico would win it, he's saying that Utah State's in it automatically based on their strength of schedule and their success throughout the season. Uh, correction on what he said though, Utah State is not at BYU. They're, it's, it's close, but they're actually at Salt Lake City living in small arena for the no, Beehive he, Classic on he, December 14th. He was talking about San Diego State and BYU. Oh, was, okay. Sorry. I missed that. I thought he said Utah State. No, San Diego State. That could be an intriguing game. I like that. That's a yeah. good sneaky game. Um, and by the way, I don't think Gilly Childs is back for that. How many games is he no. supposed to miss? Uh, nine. So he'll be back for Utah State then, huh? Because they'll be at 13 by the time they get to him or to get to Utah State. Hmm. Well, 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 because their schedule came out and they're at, I think it's the 13th game when they play Utah State. That's minus, or I don't know, that, that includes their one exhibition opener. But also includes all their tournament games. So that means Julie Childs will be back for Utah State. He'll be in the lineup. On December 14th. Okay. I thought it was 13 games. My bad. That's my bad. Um, no, yeah, he'll be back on his 
uh, 10th game. Yeah, so he'll I be back in plenty that, of time for that. I believe that might be the Utah game. Yes, I believe so. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, that sounds about right. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, I like his New Mexico-Utah State selection for the Mountain West Commerce Championship. I think Nevada loses too much, and with a new coach in Alford, I just, I mean, I still think they'll be good. I don't know if they'll be good enough to be in the championship game. Fresno State loses a ton of talent as well, uh, and San Diego State loses Jalen McDaniels alone. That hurts him tremendously. I like New Mexico versus Utah State as a pick matchup. Um and, and really, you can see that matchup going 50-50. New Mexico is a very good basketball team. I thought they were very good last year. They just ran into a buzzsaw a couple of times, uh, one of those being Utah State. I, I still like, I think Utah State could beat them. I would, would, would beat them, excuse me. Uh, do they only play New Mexico once? I know they got Nevada only once in conference play. I don't know if it's San Diego State or New Mexico they only got once as well in conference play. Um... If it's only New Mexico once, that could be huge looming down the down the stretch for seeding for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Um, thoughts on Sam? Yeah, I mean, look, Sam Merrill, of course, is giving me your preseason player of the year, which would be an, on an automatic guess, uh, which, pre, which would make an automatic selection as well. I don't... Look, people know who Sam Merrill is. People know who Namiyash Kede is, and people certainly know who Justin Bean is. This isn't no secret weapon anymore. Okay, these guys are no longer hitting underneath the ground, popping up, and you know it's just it's not going to be that anymore. Uh, they got to realize they have a humongous, very large target on their back wherever they go and whoever they play, whether it's LSU in Jamaica or Nevada here at the Spectrum. Utah State plays New Mexico only once, and that is the final game of the regular season. Dude, that is going to be absolutely mu- – and is that at New Mexico or is that here? Uh, that game is in Albuquerque. <laughs> oh, that could loom large. Just – yeah, just know that's coming. Um, yeah, I just – and then, you know, in regards of – again, this is, there's no secret weapon. Abel, Abel Porter's a great point guard. I thought he did a very good job last year. Um, and Justin Mean came in as a great six-man. Diogo Brito as well. It's, I mean, just expect to get your very best from every team. And I know Coach Smith is very well aware of that, uh, and his staff is as well. And they're going to prepare the kids like that. Um, the whole hype and the, you know, the – the excitement coming out from not only fans and media, but from national publications alike is it's it's not a fluke and it's not a joke and it's not smoke. It's real. This team's really, really, really good. Top twenty five caliber good. Um, whether they can perform like that on the court when they know they're gonna get everybody's best will be yet to be determined. But I like the way the schedule sets up. I like the strength of the schedule. If they can be successful and get to a Mount West Conference championship, even the semifinal, I think Utah State's in. Right, you look at their their non conference schedule, and just the strength of the Mountain Alone. West, I think, is going to be good. Um, the Mountain West should have multiple teams in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they should, regardless if Utah State wins out. There should be, of course, we have to see what the other teams are going to do. But I would think that the Mountain West would be good enough with uh, some things they've done historically and the type of teams coming back. Uh, that uh, multiple teams should be able to get in. It's a good conference. 
shouldn't be a question how many teams that if there's if it's a one bid league or not. It's not. Should be at least two. I, excuse me. I think it depends on how the conference does as a whole. Okay, I don't think. I mean, I don't think we can automatically assume that. Um, I think it depends on how some of these teams do in non-conference play. If they're successful, then yes. If not, then no. Absolutely not. All right, uh, we'll we'll find out more about basketball tomorrow. I can't wait, That'll Eric. I just like man, it's probably like. Through three, we're, we're two weeks away from an exhibition game, I believe. Three weeks away from exhibition game. I just thought, man, it's so exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. How, how exciting? Well, if Namish plays, it's going to be like, out of a skill of 10, it's going to be 100. If, if Namish is not playing, it's still going to be like 55 because you get Justin Bean. <laughs> and Justin Bean alone. I mean, dude... And you know what? I, I, I keep saying this to people. I think I've said it here a couple of times. Justin Bean balled out versus Washington. Like, I remember him coming on the court, one of the forwards looking at one of his teammates and laughing. And then when he went to go box out Justin Bean, Justin Bean just gives him, like, the body and the shoulder, shoves the guy from the middle of the key to outside the block. Justin Bean gets a rebound. And then, I mean, and then on a dead ball, the the, the, you know, the player kind of looks at Justin like, well, dang, all right, <laughs> all right, someone showed up from your team, let's play. So, I mean, he's he's earned a lot of respect, and he's earned the attention of a lot of teams now. Utah State's first game that they will play. It's October 30th? Or? It's October 30th. Night before Halloween, huh? Halloween Eve. Yes, that's right. All right, let's shift gears. Let's let's talk about Utah State football. Yeah, let's get Big back match to the up coming up on Saturday. Topic at hand: homecoming game, game two in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, they're going up against a team that's had some struggles. Uh, they've been in a lot of games, but they haven't been able to close the door in the fourth quarter. Uh, their head coach says there's been some good, there's been some bad for the team so far this year. What will we see on Saturday? How we fight and how we play. Uh, I'm proud of that. You know, too many, too many penalties and turnovers is is, is probably what what I expected of what we practice and how disciplined we are, uh, and everything that we've done. Uh, that's probably a little bit outside of what I thought was going to happen. And um, you know, being able to you know explode to me explosive plays defensively. You know, they're going to happen. Off I me, mean, you turn on the TV. I mean, just every team in the nation's having explosive plays, and it's hard to play defense. But we've given up. We've given up too many. But the tur- the turnovers and the penalties would probably be, you know, the number one thing. Yeah, explosives happen. Everybody gets explosives. You can't stop explosives. You can't expect us to stop big plays. Does he sound a little defeatist there? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, he's right though. Big plays will kill you, and, and Utah State has a lot of those big plays. And if you can't stop them, you know you're going to get burnt early and often. the The thing for Colorado State is they can't be out of this game by the end of half. And when I say out of this game, twenty one plus. If they're down twenty one plus, th- this this thing might be over. They got to be able to hang in there, uh, you know, and keep it within fourteen, keep it within, I mean, reasonably nine, if possible. But uh, to do that, they got to limit the place, the big, the big place. And again, that that's a lot of pressure on your defensive backfield. And that's a lot of pressure on your offense to keep up with the Utah State offense. 
That's a good point. Now, for on the flip side, this is a Colorado State team that, yes, they don't have their starting quarterback. Uh, they do have a their backup. He's a transfer from Nebraska. He was highly rated coming out of high school. Their top wide receiver is questionable. He probably won't play. They're starting running back. He may or may not play, according to what we heard from Kelly Lyle. Uh, but they do have good wide receivers. They have this Auburn transfer. His first game was last week. Gary Anderson very concerned about big play probability coming from the Rams. It is. Yeah, there's mismatches. And, uh, you know, when you got a guy that has that speed and, and that length and, and just quite frankly, the ball skills, you know, it was uh, at, before the half of the um, – Last week's game, they, they throw it up on a Hail Mary, and the quarterback has a big arm, the transfer kid from Nebraska. He's got a big arm. He loves to throw the ball across the field. He's a good quarterback, and he lets her rip about 50 yards of Hail Mary, and they catch it on the half-yard line. Didn't score, but they caught it on the half-yard line. <laughs> so uh, he just out-jumped everybody and said, that's my ball, and it was, it, was, it was a hell of a rebound. And he got it. He went up and got that rebound. And then the running back. I mean, he's been, yeah. he was unbelievable in the game. Too. He was, yeah. Yeah, 200 some odd yards. What do you see of him? Great speed, um, a big back, uh, physical as needed when they get him into the inside run game. Um, but if he sees a crease, he's going to be very, very difficult to catch. Once he gets to the second level, he's extremely fast. Um, and that's, you know, that's on tape. That's not sitting here telling you can't telling you guys something that you can't flip on the tape and see. So there, there's a lot of weapons. Um, and, you know, that last game they played was it was a track meet. It was up and down the field on, on both sides, I suppose. I haven't watched the other tape, like I said, but uh, I have watched their offense, and it was uh, it was a very, very powerful offense for uh, for that three and a half hours. But that, it was they got some good football players. Uh, so he uh, he was talking about Warren at first, and then he was being asked about McKenzie second. Yes, uh, and both are well. McKenzie may play, according to Kelly Lyle, uh, and Warren is most likely out. So there goes that. I yeah, look, Warren Jackson, uh, probably in a concussion protocol. Uh, he hadn't seen, uh, Kelly Lyle had not seen him in practice yet this week. Uh, Marvin uh, Kinsey Jr. Uh, did not play last week. He may try to get suited up and, and play this, this week. But if he does, he may not be 100%. But um, Marcus Ma- uh, McElroy is a guy that was it could have been a starter. Uh, it's a solid back for Colorado State. So it's a team that likes to move the ball around. They like the it's an offense that is complicated uh, and is going to be more dangerous than they've seen in since week one, really, since they faced Wake Forest. Yeah, uh, agreed. I still I still think they shut him down. I'm sorry. I just I, I watch film on Colorado State, and I've seen the Colorado game, and I've seen the Toledo game, and neither of them look very promising to me that Colorado State can make this a game. I mean, that's but just they're, bluntly they're honest, Eric. scoring 34 points a game. Yeah, but they're giving up 50-something points. And by the way, Colorado and Toledo's defense isn't Utah State's defense, and not even close either. Their offense might be good, decent, but their defense is atrocious. This will be the very first competitive defense that they will have played yet. Uh, that's fair. For Colorado State. Yes. 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 I think that's a fair statement. 
Uh, Gary Anderson also, also talked about, he alluded to uh, O'Brien, Patrick O'Brien. He's the starting quarterback for Colorado State now. Started last week. Um, and uh, he's filling in for Hill, who's out for the rest of the year. Uh, he's had a little more time to prepare and be ready and know that he is the starter coming into his second career start. And so Gary Anderson talked a little bit about what he sees in him and the offensive line that surrounds him. Yeah, the offensive line, you're right. They always do, right? They're big, strong, physical offensive linemen. And um, I think that's a lot. They recruit to that, and they're prideful of that within their community of where they live, uh, much like we are at Utah, right? We're prideful of that here, of finding those big, strong, physical kids and developing within the program. And Colorado State's been like that with Sonny for ever and ever, and that's not going to change. That's been adopted by the new staff as, as they've gone through time, obviously. Um, but, you know, if you, if you sit back and look at the quarterback as a whole, big, strong, physical kid um, runs – Plenty good enough uh, to at least get your attention for sure, but he's a gunslinger now. I mean, he has no problem. Like I said, you know, you, he's going to throw to the opposite hash eight or nine times, and that's in college football. That that open side hash to the field is something that uh, is mostly defended by the inability of a quarterback to be able to make that throw uh, consistently or get it there fast enough to, um, you know, cause you issues as a defensive scheme. And this kid, now you have to account for that. Um, he's going to wing it out there to a big, tall kid that can stick his foot in the ground and, and play, you know, much like we can use COC and Jordan for, right? That's always against us. You always have to be able to deal with that field side uh, boundary because if you do not, then um, – We'll take that all day long and uh, let the kids do their work. And Savon's no different. If he's into the field, he's the same guy out there. And so it's it's a definitely a weapon when you have the quarterback that can throw the ball like that. But this kid can spin it. He's big body. I mean, six foot four. Yeah, he's a monster. Some of the some he's bigger than some of the kids on Utah State football, man. Yeah, he's a big monster. Uh, and you got to res- and as Kelly said, you got to respect his arm. He can sling it. I mean, he can throw it on a rope with no with. No effort at all. Um, but again, it's being accurate with the ball. It's one thing to throw 70 yards. Is can you throw it 20 yards into a tight window with double coverage there and still fit it to your guy? Uh, Utah State's defensive lineman, uh, defensive tackle, Nick, uh, defensive end, actually, uh, Nick Henninger, he weighed in a little bit too on going after O'Brien, their starting quarterback for the Rams. If he's going to stay in the pocket, we'd like to collapse it on him, you know, make it to where he has nowhere to run. I don't know how good of a runner he is, but make a guy who's not good at running run, and you'll probably win that. Pretty simply put. Yeah. <laughs> uh, try to make him run, try to flush him out, um, and uh, try to get after him a little bit. Um, he does have uh, a few rushing attempts, but nothing really impressive at all. Yeah, he's... <laughs> yeah, it's it's different than Colin Hill. I'd be... Colin Hill could use his legs really well, too, and he knew when to use his legs and when to use his arm. That's the thing about Colin Hill. He was very smart in how he used his body, and he, I mean, he had a great IQ. This is, this is kind of a different situation here, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like I said, he's got a great armor. Can he throw into a tight window with great defenders around him? Well, uh, that, that's going to be a huge challenge for him, especially if they come if they become a one-dimensional team. Um, Gary Anderson talked a little bit about um, some of the things that are going on for Utah State. 
uh, and they, what they're trying to prepare for. And talk a little bit about the running game and uh, and spread offenses. Uh, interesting conversation about that, and there's the philosophy about how to use use it properly. Yeah, and in, in this quote he talks about, because Al asked him a really good question. Al had a bunch of really good questions, actually, on this day. Uh, this one was about, what's more threatening, a good run game or a spread offense that can spread you out? And this is his answer. You know, and I told us to the talk in the defensive staff last week, we, just in our base not to get too technical, but two tight ends on the field or two backs in the backfield and one tight end and two wide receivers, we call it our 43 package. Um, Gosh, we've practiced that for the last probably four years. I mean, just maybe 5% of our practice time for the whole year through practice and spring ball and everything. Yeah, and goal line. Goal line is the same way. We I don't even think we had a goal line package. Nobody ever got into that in the Pac-12, except for maybe Stanford, right? And maybe Cal a little bit, but you worried about it very, very little, and that was only if those guys were on your schedule. Well, we're two games into it, and we probably have 50 reps of goal line underneath our belt. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. So uh, what would I prefer? Um, either way is fine. It's just, you know, these teams do a nice job of uh, having you play multiple packages um, on defense. And if you don't play multiple packages, just in my own opinion, I think you'll be in trouble because you, uh, you need to get the skill on the field to match the skill and you need to get the big guys on the field to match the big guys on the field, which uh, eats up practice time, which is forces uh, more meeting time. Um, that's productive meeting time and, and kids being able to grasp some different types of schemes that, uh, you know, sometimes in some leagues you don't have to work on nearly as much. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the way this league is going. Maybe that's the way football is going, but uh, the multiple formations and the bigger groups of people has its own problems of adjusting to just as the spread stuff does. It's interesting. You can use so many formations to do so many things now, right? Back yeah. in the day, shotgun meant you were going to throw it no matter what. Underneath the center meant you were going to most likely 80%, 85% of the time run it. Now, underneath center means you've got, you know, swing fullbacks or swing running backs who can become uh, receivers and run and catch routes. Uh, a shotgun means you can, you know, now you've got the RPO. You've got the read zone option. I mean, it's just it, the game is developed in so many ways now where a spread really isn't what it is now. I mean, it, it, it doesn't show off anything. Doesn't it, it's, it's, it doesn't give you any kind of a tell. No. But yeah. You, you can line up in lots of different formations and still do and a still lot. still do whatever you want. Exactly. It, yep. right? it doesn't always get, uh, tip you off as to what they might do. Sure. Um, last thing, I wanted to hear from Ciosi Mariner. This is a, a Utah transfer who's come to Utah State. He's having a great season so far for the Aggies. Uh, he wasn't part of the... The, the interesting stuff that happened at the end of the game last year for USU, but still knows that it's a conference game. Uh, this is an important game for USU. He weighs in on uh, having to face the Rams coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I looked at a little bit this past weekend. Um, I know um, they're, real, they're a real good team. You know, they're very athletic. They had a couple games to get away from them early on in the season. Um, defensive backs, you know, they fly around. They play a pretty good, decent amount of man. So we're going to see some man covers on the outside, things like that. But, yeah, I'm definitely excited for this matchup. And, um, you know, they're coming to Maverick. You know, um, they're in a 1-3 position. So I feel like they can, they're on the ropes, like, to either have a great season or let it all slide on hill. And um, it's definitely going to be a, a matchup for us. So I'm excited to go into this one. Yeah, interesting. And you know, we talked about he knows he's going to be facing a lot of man coverage. 
And I thought it was interesting what he had to say about what would he rather go up against, a man coverage or more of a zone coverage when he gets in there and he's going up against opposing defenses. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, I love seeing man. You know, I love seeing zone. Yeah, both of them have their strengths. Both of them have the weaknesses. So, that, um, you know, we don't really look at too much of the defense, you know, because, like, at the end of the day, they're coming out to try to stop us. So that's how we kind of approach things. Yeah, look, you'd rather have man, right? Because it sets you up with a one-on-one matchup against. I mean, if you play your cards right, you could be one-on-one with a linebacker. And Cioso Mariner on a linebacker is like putting – Freaking Yao Ming on John Stockton. I mean, and put him in the post. That's just, it's, it's unfair. It really is. It's, and, and that's about what, I mean, that's about as well as I can put it. Cioso Mariner is a freak of an athlete who has incredible hands. And you're asking a linebacker to guard him? One-on-one? No help? At least not in the midfield? Oh, dude, forget about it. Jordan Love's just going to target him all day. They've got some safeties that are six feet tall. Yes. But their corners are not. They're, they're under six feet tall. So Mariner's going to have a size advantage. Um, that, that'll that be fun. I think we're going to have a fun time watching number 80 get some touches and making some things happen on the sidelines for USU. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and you know what? I would imagine that Caleb Rep's going to have himself a day too. That's another guy that I think about would, would probably do some damage. So, All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, we have the Full Court Press movie quiz. Really, really exciting. I'm excited. You're screwed. What's well, the classic sports movie IJ is going to reenact for us? Uh, and then also a conversation I had with Alfred Edwards as he's preparing and the Utah State Aggies are preparing for Colorado State coming up on Saturday. Uh, don't forget, KVNU game day coverage will begin at 3.30. Broadcasting live at Locker 42, getting you ready like no one else will uh, for a full two hours. And then as soon as the game is over, Again, breaking it down like nobody else will and uh, taking your phone calls and uh, your reactions to what happened in the stadium Saturday night. So all that's coming up here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press continuing along here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. 1069thefan.com is where you can also stream us live and find past episodes. Podcast the show. Make it available online after every sh- after uh, yeah after every show. Go check it out. It's all there. As long as I hit record, it's all there. There may or may not have been a show here recently that did not get recorded that would have been really good to listen back to. Oh, yeah. Dude, that was... I'm still pissed you didn't do that. (laughs) But the vast majority of them... You suck. Hey, nine times out of ten, I'm doing my job. Well, ten times out of ten, I'm doing mine, so I got you beat. Uh... Well, yesterday was a little questionable. Okay, yesterday, I had to freaking fend for myself. You're welcome. All right, uh, it's Full Court Press, classic sports movie time. Oh, Ajay is going to do his best to Get my movie reenact quiz loaded. a scene from a classic sports movie. I have it ready. But you, <clears throat> uh, we're not going to play it. Nope. You have to reenact it first. You ready? I, I am I was born ready. Oh, my 
gosh. <laughs> I know. I feel. <laughs> okay. And if you get, if you know before Eric does, tweet at me, will you? Or text me or whatever if you have my phone number. Is this, is this part of it, or you just haven't started yet? Shut it. What a, what a Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack at Augusta. He's on his final hole. Oh, He's about 455 yards away. This great show. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Swings and crushes a flower. Ooh. He got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. Normally a reserved August crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella who's come out of nowhere. He's got 300 about, he's got about 350 yards. He's going to hit about a, a five iron, it looks. It looks like, don't you think? He's got a, bit of, he's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet. Here he is, a Cinderella boy. Ten years in eyes, or to me. You gotta redo that. Tears in eyes, I guess. <laughs> As he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. And he's gonna... Looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deathly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. Former groundskeeper, or former greenskeeper. Now about to become... A master's champion. Swing. It looks like a miracle. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. (laughs) There was so. I saw pieces of it. I need to watch the whole show again. Oh my gosh. Uh, Do not. I saw pieces of it. Do not do it around your children. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't. I forgot that guy was in it. Dude. I forgot that guy was in it. Yeah. I forgot that actor was in it. There were so, so many people. I, uh, the, the first time I ever saw this was when I was when, like, my mom and dad used to watch this all the time. So I was like six when I saw it. But I loved it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And there, I mean, that scene, well, actually, no, we'll let you play the clip because the clip does it better. That didn't do it justice. The clip is so, so good. And then we'll go into a little bit of beats uh, and pieces about the movie itself. Bill Murray. Here we go. Here it is Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. To lead the pack at Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella. He's come out of nowhere. He's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, it looks like, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to, looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere, a former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! 
It's in the hole. Hey, young he fella. I was hoping to squeeze. Bill Murray. Oh, so Bill that Murray. scene, by the way, Bill Murray uh, w- walked into there and was given two lines. The rest, he ad-libbed on his own. He pr- no improved it. Yeah, the whole entire thing. He's given two little bits to it, and then they said, and th- and at the start of the show, they did their first scene together was Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Ronnie Goldman. And, uh, and like, they were given the script, right? Well, they, Chevy, or Chevy and... Uh, Bill just obliterated the script and started to kind of improv in their own thing. And then Ronnie Goldman jumped in and kind of did his thing. And, and the director's kind of like, well, what the heck am I doing? Let's let, you know. And so at, at times he would say, he would say, Hey, you're just going to go, you're just going to do your own thing. And that was one of them where they gave him two bits. And then they said, okay, from you, it, or, you know, from you, it's, or from here, it's all you. And uh, the other thing about this movie, and I didn't know this until I looked it up because I did some studying on the movie itself. Uh, who's the uh, who's the one goofy guy? Um, Dangerfield, right? Ronnie Dangerfield. Who's the goofy guy? My yeah. gosh, there's a ton of them. So, so Dangerfield, he, uh, he was kind of new to the whole movie like world and doing this. And so when they would say action, Ronnie wouldn't move. And so the director would say, okay, cut. hey, Ronnie, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. All right, well, here we go. Action. Rodney didn't do anything. Huh. Director's like, stop it. Ronnie, are, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay, want to say action. Do something, you know, do your part. All right. Action. Ronnie doesn't move again. And then he says, look, Ronnie, when I say action, you do your, you know, you, you go. It's your turn. And he goes, oh, I do my bit? Yes, you do your bit. And so all of a sudden he says, action. And then Rodney starts at living one scene and uh it was the one where he is uh, he's in the shop and uh this guy's got this hat on or whatever and he's making fun of the guy with the hat and and it, anyways um after that for then on out every time ronnie dangerfield had a scene the director would say instead of saying actually say all right ronnie do your bit and ronnie would just go <laughs> do his thing that's funny. It's crazy. One of the greatest, most underrated classic movies. Honestly, it like underrated. It's in the hole. <laughs> it's in the hole. I just love how casual he is. Like the crowd's silent, <laughs> and then he just nails his flower and drills it. Oh, I love it. About to become the Masters champion. <laughs> I need to go home and watch that. I gotta go find that doggone thing now. It's in the hole. <laughs> That's such a classic, Eric. I'm so glad you knew what movie that was. Uh, oh, so I showed um, Roper, our, uh, one, of, one of the studs who works. I iconic, love Roper. And I scene. just, I, 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 I fold up the piece of paper so he can't see the title. I say, tell me what movie this is. He gets through the first line. He says, oh, Caddyshack. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know it was that popular of a scene. Like you knew it barely a line in. That's what's incredible to me. It's in the hole! <laughs> <laughs> All right, more about Utah State and uh, Colorado State. A conversation I had with Alfred Edwards. We'll hear from uh, him and on this game coming up on Saturday and how things are going so far for the Aggies. That's coming up next right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. 
Duh. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. <laughs> Caddyshack. That's a good one. Oh, man. So many funny things. <laughs> I drain need the pool because I think there's... <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> there's a dookie floating around. <laughs> he walks down there with his gloves on, picks it up. He starts eating it. They're like, oh. It's like, oh, it's candy bar. <laughs> He goes out with the, the old guy who has like the game of his life. Yeah. <laughs> and he like dies. <laughs> oh, it's a good movie. <sighs> All right. Utah State had two returning starters from a year ago on a team that was very explosive offensively. It was Jordan Love and Alfred Edwards. Edwards uh, is anchoring that uh, offensive line that's done quite well so far this season despite some of the newcomers that are there and despite a recent injury. But uh, he, I uh, got a chance to catch up with him yesterday to see how he's doing, how that offensive line has come together, and how things are looking in the prospects in this year for the Mountain West Conference with another game on the horizon coming up on Saturday. Alfred Edwards, big game last week against San Diego State. And San Diego State's really known to have this really impressive pressure defense to try to stop run games, get after opposing quarterbacks. That offensive line, you guys did great protecting Jordan and giving those running backs some room to run. Uh, yeah, it was really just our preparation. We studied them for two weeks straight because of the bye, so it gave us time to really get to know what they were doing. I thought we hit it hit it on the head pretty good. That uh, You're the lone returning starter on that offensive line. There were some big questions. How would that line look? So far, you guys have looked really good. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Uh, just do stepping up. Uh, young dudes grew up, and uh, it doesn't really feel like I'm the only returning starter, really. Uh, do you do things outside of practice for, for unity to, to hang together, or when you guys are in practice, you guys are going all all together, and it's it's all business? Uh, really, we just uh, we hang out with each other uh, off the field. You know, we go out to eat and stuff like that, hang out. You know, watch film together. That's another That's another hobby you have to have. Playing offensive line, you got to watch film together. So that's mainly the main things. This Colorado State team coming up this week, uh, this is a team that's given up a lot of yards in the running game. Do you feel like you you guys are going to have some opportunity there, open up some gaps for those guys behind you, Jalen, Gerald? Uh, we always want to run the ball effectively, and this week is uh, no different. Uh, we're just going to kind of try to do what we do, execute how we execute. So that's it. You're a guy who was on this team last year that had a really special season. Changes in the coaching staff, but so far things are going pretty well for you guys. What are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed uh, at either your position or the team from what happened last year to how things are going so far this year? Uh, I feel like especially for offensive line, we have a we have like a better attitude in terms of uh, working hard. We work we work our butts off every day, and uh, when nobody's complaining or anything, so I feel like uh, that's really one of the biggest differences. Uh, and then when you look at um, how this uh, Mountain West schedule is lining up, you have uh, you had the game against San Diego State, you got Colorado State, um, then LSU's coming around the corner, then another bye week. It's kind of a weird schedule that way. How are you guys handling it so far and just the, the game-to-game, week day-to-day preparations that you've had so far? Uh, we're just taking it one week at a time, one day at a time. You know, every day. We've got to win every day. We practice and win on Saturday, so... 
All right. Well, uh, best of luck on Saturday. We'll look forward to seeing you guys on the field. All right. Thank you. There's Alfred Edwards. Man, he's a giant. <laughs> yeah, he's a monster. I, I was shaking hands with him, and I was like, oh, geez. Where did my hand Can I have my hand back, man? <laughs> uh, no, he's and he, he's an important piece to that offensive line. Now, look, no Andy Koch for however long uh, that's going to be. Um, they, they're going to need some experience. They're going to need it from Alfred. I know he got hurt last year and it took him out for the season, but he's one of the more talented guys on that offensive line. And they're going to need his experience and his skill to take care of Jordan Love because they've got some tough defenses coming up in the near future. You're right. It, it's uh, fun to see how that line has come together. They've done a very nice job protecting Jordan Love, giving him time. Uh, when he has time, amazing things happen. And granted, you could probably say that about a lot of quarterbacks, but Jordan is special that way. And uh, so they've done a nice job of giving him some time and some protection, uh, and he has been a big part of that. So uh, anyways, interesting conversation I had with Alfred Edwards. Coming up tomorrow, we'll share with you the conversations I had with Shaq Bond and Jalen Warren about uh, uh, their perspectives and their preparation for Colorado State, what they see at their positions with their uh, opponents that are coming up this Saturday and also reflecting back on what happened last Saturday with that big win in San Diego. It was a huge win for Utah State to get that one, but uh, keeping them focused and, and maintaining that composure against a team that has a lot of flaws but can still be dangerous in the Colorado State Rams. Um, in fact, one of those uh, things to, to um, want to touch on, comment from uh, Nick Henninger, uh, about that Colorado State run game that uh, we there's some suspicion about whether or not Marvin Kinsey Jr. will be available or not. He's listed as doubtful, uh, but he's he's probably going to play. But they've also got some other running backs behind him that can do a good job, and that's a big key for that Utah State defensive front to slow that down or eliminate it. Yeah, they're definitely good as well. I mean, biggest way to win a game is stop the run game. And you got to stop the rushing, and that's going to be the first place we got to stop them. And then we want to make them pass, right? You always want to stop the run because if they can run on you, then that's the biggest slap in the face, you know. And we pride ourselves in being tough, run-stopping defense, you know. And if you missed it, Coach Bobo said that uh, Marvin Kinsey Jr. is doubtful. Uh, Warren Jackson is doubtful. Um, and they're the, the two biggest weapons on offense for Colorado State so far this season. So, uh, yeah, what that team looks like, who replaces them, that'll be interesting to see on Saturday. All right, some uh, additional thoughts about Utah State and Colorado State on an in-the-know Wednesday coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Warren Jackson is doubtful. Marvin Kinsey is doubtful. Toby McBride is questionable. Hubbard, I would say, is questionable. Andre Neal, I think, is probable. That's Coach Mike Bobo. List of injuries, injured players at key positions. Yeah, and those are key players. <laughs> Let's make that very clear. Warren is a monster. McKinsey is a absolute load to have to bring down and uh yeah, that's uh, according to Kelly. Uh, you know, there, there's a pretty good chance that 
know, McKinney's going to try to find his way on the field, uh, whatever it takes. Um, but <laughs> Warren is is most likely out. Concussion protocol is likely to be the issue there. So, yeah, really, this comes down to a few things. Can Utah State defensively limit and slow down Colorado State? Because I don't think Colorado State can limit and slow down USU offensively. Uh, and then takeaways. They have not done a really good job of holding onto the ball. Speaking of the Rams, uh, they've, they've coughed it up a lot. Uh, uh, so, and then the other thing is preparing for those unknowns. What are those backups as now they're going to be in starter roles and extended minutes and opportunities? And then this Auburn transfer, um, Nate Craig Myers, who's another wide receiver target for Colorado State, how well does Utah State scout them and prepare for them? Yeah, and I mean, at this point, you're looking at all possibilities, right? Like, nothing's left off the table here. So, uh, you just... Dude, I mean, they could be they could have anybody on that field now. With with the list of the injury report, they could have anybody on the field. So be ready for anybody. Uh, prepare at your best, and whatever you get, you get. I, I still think no matter what, on paper, Utah State's better than Colorado State. In every facet of this game, Eric. Have you seen the line for this game? No, I haven't seen a line yet. Utah State favored by 24. Oh, heck. I, I mean, I was thinking 14, not 24. And the over-under is 72 and a half. All right. What's the, what's the percentage of possibility that, <laughs> that uh, Utah State covers over half that Spread of the 72. And what's the possibility and percentage that Utah State covers a spread of 24? Um, I'd say I, I, I'd say like 70% on the 24, and I'd say maybe like 10% on the 72. I'm, I'm come close to you on that. Okay. Uh, I think 24 is a pretty good Yeah, gap. that's a beating, man. Especially for a Colorado State team who's shown an ability to sling the ball around. But the... As you pointed out, they haven't played against a really good defense yet. Utah State will be far and away the best defense that they have faced so far this year. Yeah. The other line in conference play that really stands out to me, Liberty by seven over New Mexico. Oh, jeez. Oh, call. <laughs> New Mexico. That's, that's not Come good. On. Uh, coming up tomorrow, it's the uh, pick six. Don't forget to go in and register and make your picks for our Cash Valley Media Group Preps Pick'em Contest. We have the link on 1069thefan.com. Uh, register, log in, make your selections. If you have the highest point total at the end of this uh, weekend, you can win a $100 gift card to McDonald's. And if you win, you become an automatic qualifier for our grand prize, a 65-inch 4K TV from Lynn's audio and video. So go check it out. Make your picks. Have a great night, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow.